Good morning, everyone. We'd like to welcome you today to our Sunday service here at Bread of Life Church. We're going to go ahead and get into the Word of God now. If you remember a few weeks ago, we started on a series on courage. We're going to go ahead and pick up now again on the subject of courage where we left off, and we're going to continue to look at the Word of God and learn from it. At the beginning of 2020, we felt strongly of the Lord to start a series of messages called How to Be Stable in Uncertain Times. And for a whole month, we preached on that idea of when you face seasons that you didn't see coming, you didn't know were coming, and that are difficult to live in, unprecedented, sort of like what we're living in now with the COVID-19 crisis. We didn't know COVID-19 was coming back then, but we had the sense that something was coming and we needed to be prepared. So we preached on the idea that God could give you stability in uncertain times and that you could trust him and know God and see through any difficult season. We went on from there to talk about not being afraid. And we had a whole series of messages on fear not and what it meant to not be moved by fear, to react with fear when changes hit your life, not to be afraid of man, not to be afraid of demonic power, not to be afraid of the future. And then we begin to discuss courage and look at what it meant to have courage. I want to just simply give a definition of courage. It's the quality of mind, according to the dictionary, or spirit, that enables a person to face difficulty, danger, pain, without fear, or to be brave. Now, let's look at that idea of bravery for a moment. This doesn't mean that I never have any fear, I never have any concern, I never have any you know, cringe when I look into the future or when I go through difficult times. I never stop and think, wow, this could be difficult. That doesn't mean that. Courage isn't this Superman posture that says, everything's going to be great. No matter what, it's all 100% perfect. I have nothing to think about. That's not what courage is. Courage is the ability to look at something and say, this could be difficult. This is going to be challenging, and it's going to be even dangerous. But what we need to do is we need to face it in faith and put our fear to the side and stand up and say, fears or no fears, we have to embrace a position of faith and to be brave and make the right step forward and not retract or not retreat. Courage looks at something in the midst of what we could struggle with in our heart and does the right thing, sees the right thing, and steps out to do the right thing. There have been times in my life where I've had to have need of courage. I needed to look at something and think, this is going to be difficult, but I need to be a man of God. I need to trust God, and I need to move forward and trust what God's Word has taught me and not move off the foundation he's laid in my heart and look at it head on and face it in the name of Jesus. Have you ever had to have courage while you were going through something? You thought, man, this is difficult. Man, this could be rough on us. Rough things could come. Difficult things could come upon us. Dangerous times could come upon us. And yet you said, we're going to go forward anyway. We're going to look at it in faith. We're going to believe God, and we're going to stand for what God told us to stand for. I never want to be the person who draws back in fear and doesn't have the ability to be brave, even in the midst of concerns. So we talked about a few weeks ago that we needed to be people who had courage. And we looked in the Bible where the Bible had a lot to say about courage, being people whose heart could be encouraged, take courage in the things of God. We read from the scripture that said, I would have despaired unless I'd believed I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. In other words, take courage. God is going to do good things in our lives, the psalmist said. And so we're going to pick up from where we left off, and we're going to go to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. 
And this is a fascinating passage of Scripture. At the end of the chapter is where we get one of the most famous statements on courage. In fact, Jesus makes this profound statement in John chapter 16, in verse 33. He says, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. Listen to that. Take courage. I have overcome the world. One more time. These things, he says, I have spoken to you in advance so that in me, in Jesus, you can have a place of peace in your heart no matter what you face or go through. Isn't that amazing that Jesus is saying that no matter what you face, there's a reality of knowing God. There's a reality of being in the presence of God and the power of God that is so real that you can live in peace no matter what you go through. And he says, in this world, the one we're living in now, he says, you're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulation. In other words, guess what? Everyone's going to go through something. You're going to go through something. I'm going to go through something. I've gone through things, and so have you. And if we live longer on this planet, which hopefully we will, we're going to go through things again. And he said, you're going to go through tribulation. He says, but take courage. I have overcome the power of this world to destroy you and to take away your eternity from you. This world may be able to bring battles, may be able to bring struggle, but this world cannot remove your security in God and cannot take God's power and presence from you. You are secure in the Lord. I am secure in the Lord. And so what we want to do is we want to back up in chapter 16 and see the things that Jesus said that gave him the confidence for us to say that at the end of this chapter. So we started at the end, and now we're going to work back, and we're going to look at things he said along the way that give us insight into why he could say such a thing and make such a claim, and it be so powerful. If you read verse 33 by itself, and you don't read the verses that got there, you might not understand why he's telling you that. But there's a reason, and we're going to take a look at that. So if we could go back in our Bibles in chapter 16, just go ahead and start at verse 5. For the sake of time, we're not going to read the whole chapter, but we're going to read the parts that are the most pointed for what we're saying today. Jesus says here, In the Gospel of John, chapter 16, there's that chapter again, verse 5, he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit being promised. And he says, but now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? I just want to stop right there. Isn't it interesting? The disciples had become silent at this point. They're listening to everything Jesus is saying. He's going to be leaving them. They're not going to be seeing him. What does all that mean? You can imagine they're a little concerned about that, maybe even frightened. And so he says, none of you asks where I'm going, right? No one's going to ask that. He's kind of waiting for them to respond. And he says, listen, I understand. I've said these things to you, and this has caused you concern. That's a paraphrase. But because I said these things to you, in verse 6, sorrow has filled your heart. So he's having a very real conversation with the disciples. And I remember reading this in the past, thinking these were more like rhetorical questions and statements he was saying just to kind of guide them along a journey. But if you could stop for a moment and put yourself in the dialogue with the disciples, imagine if you were there, and he's telling them these amazing things that are going to happen, and he's saying, so you don't have any questions about this? He says, I understand sorrow is filling your heart because you're going to miss me, and it's going to be hard for us to be separated, and you can't imagine that I'm going away from you. But he says, let me tell you the truth in verse 7. Guys, let me tell you the truth. Everyone listening to this right now, he's telling us today, Let me tell you the truth. And here is an amazing thing. Whenever Jesus says he's going to tell you the truth, we need to listen to that. 
because there is no truth that exists outside of his. And everything outside of his truth is dark and it's a lie. And so he says, but I tell you the truth. Praise God. Let's open our ears. What is the truth he's going to tell us? And he says the most amazing thing. He says, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The helper. Who is the helper that we need to have? And by the way, he's not saying, I'm going to go off the scene and my replacement's coming. This is not that kind of arrangement. The Father sent me, I'm going. The next person of the Godhead's coming, then you'll have him. And there's just this line of Godhead figures coming to the earth, sort of playing their role in the world. This is not that. He is saying to them, unless I go away, someone else cannot come, and you must have him. And that helper is none other than the Holy Spirit. The helper is the Holy Spirit. So that's a very interesting word to give to the Holy Spirit or a title or a name. In the Greek, give you just a little Bible college moment, that is the word parakletos or the paraclete. You say, I don't understand parakletos. Well, it's basically the Greek word that we get the English equivalent that says the one who comes alongside of us to help us, to comfort us, and then to be what the Bible often refers to as the advocate. You think, what is an advocate? An advocate is a person who speaks or writes in support or defense of a person or a cause. So the advocate is someone who comes to support you, to be a defense to you, and to help you in this life achieve all that God has said you could achieve. In other words, every one of us needs the Holy Spirit to come alongside, to help us, and to be our advocate. We need somebody to live in our hearts and live in the substance of our being and live around our family, our home, our world, our church. This is, I am here. God is here to help you get through whatever you're going to face. God is here to strengthen you to go through whatever you go through. The Lord is here to see you through every journey of life, no matter how difficult or how easy. The Holy Spirit is here to be the person who comes alongside to help you get through your journey and to defend you and to speak to you and to help you. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. Salvation is more than just going to church on Sunday and having a title or a badge or even saying, I finally am going to heaven and that's resolved or reconciled. Praise God that we're going to heaven. But in this passage, this isn't Jesus saying, I'm coming to save you by being lifted up and then dying, being laid in the earth and raised from the dead so the Holy Spirit will come to give you a nice Christian experience in Christian life while you live the life you want to and then spend an eternity with us. It is important to understand that the Holy Spirit is coming to help you be in this world. Listen to what he says. He says, if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit is going to be in the world because you're going to be in the world, and we are going to be in the world. Why are we going to be in the world with the Holy Spirit? And I want to just explain this to you. The mission that Jesus came to announce and to release in the world wasn't so much his teaching and his ministry. All of that was given so that you would take on your ministry. His example became our example. His words become our words. And most importantly, his mission becomes our mission. 
and his mandate is now our mandate. We are living in the gospel mandate that he died and rose from the dead for us to have. Now, how can we live in a mandate without the power of the Holy Spirit? Because he couldn't live in his without the power of the Holy Spirit. If you remember in the book of Matthew, he goes to a river and he is baptized by his cousin John, John the Baptist. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit came out of heaven and rested on Jesus in the form of a dove. And the Father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. My friend, if Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill his ministry, we are going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill ours. It is impossible to be a Christian and not understand that we were given this mandate and joined him in this mission in the earth. Christianity equals mandate and mission of the kingdom, and they are not separate lines. The idea of, well, the preaching, witnessing, serving, that's for the ministers, the professionals we pay in our tithes and offerings to do that down at the church while we live our lives, and they entertain us on Sundays. That is not Christianity, and that is not what Jesus came to produce. We were called to be born again and to become disciples of Jesus Christ. Discipled into what? Into a great mission, into a great calling to join him in the gospel mandate and to bring the kingdom of God to the world through our obedience and through our faith. He is saying here, you are going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to see you through. And without him coming, you can't do it. Listen to how he says it. He says, if I do not go away, you can't receive him. Jesus physically could only be anywhere in the world when he lived in this planet at one time. If he was over at Starbucks, present day, he could only be at that Starbucks. He could not be at all the Starbucks at once. He could be at one Starbucks. He could go to one uh, restaurant. He could go to one house. That's what it was like when he was on the earth. He could be at one person's house at one time only. He could not be everywhere at once. That means the only people who could have had a mandate and lived in real Christianity were the people who gathered around his physical body and physical life during that time of world history. That would have never worked. How can his mission reach the whole world if he does not have the way to get the mission and the message to the world? So he was the teacher, and he was the one who came and laid down his life so that the mission would come upon you, would come upon me, would come upon everyone who receives him. And for the last 2,000 years, around the globe, this Jesus has been working through the power of the Holy Spirit, performing signs and wonders, bringing men under conviction, and saving millions upon millions. And I'd say in world history, billions upon billions of people have met Jesus and encountered God over the last 2,000 years and have been saved, and millions upon millions have taken on the gospel mandate to preach the gospel to the world and to see the beautiful mandate of the kingdom of God revealed. That happened because the Holy Spirit came to the earth and helped us do everything he called us to do. I am grateful that Jesus ascended, and I am grateful that he sent the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit lives in your heart, and the Holy Spirit lives in my heart. And we have the helper. Praise God. Every day I get up, I have someone living in my life called the helper. You have the helper. This is why we believe people need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus received the Spirit, we receive the Spirit. And the helper wants to live in you. The helper wants to help you. He wants to help me. How is he going to help us? Well, it says when he comes, he will convict the world. The world. The whole world is going to come under conviction concerning three things. What sin is, what righteousness is, and what judgment are. And then Jesus gives these amazing statements concerning sin because they do not believe in me. 
let's just make this clear. What sin really is, is not drinking and smoking and, and you know, chewing and, and using profanity and all these things that we define as sin. Yes, those things are sin in the fact that they miss the mark and they're not pleasing to God and they pay a wage that will destroy your life. But there's a sin much greater than those that is really the only sin that matters. It's this one right here. He says, the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Jesus says, when the world doesn't believe in me, that's what sin is. Sin isn't, Pastor Tom, I struggled this week. Yes, of course, sure, that's sin. But it's not the sin that sends someone to hell. The sin he's talking about here is the only one that matters. The blood of Jesus cannot save us from this kind of unbelief. The work of the cross does not save a man who will not recognize it and believe in him. If someone says, I have no need for the blood, I have no need for Jesus' atonement, I have no need to repent, I have no need to be forgiven anything, I have no need of these things, I am fine without Jesus. That man is on his way to hell. They are lost forever because they do not believe in Jesus. Until we believe in Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes and the helper comes, nothing's going to change. You cannot reform anybody by bringing them to church and making them a better person. They do not change until they believe in Jesus. My friend, you cannot change until you believe in Jesus, and you cannot change until the helper comes to help you live the life Jesus came to give you. Before I gave my life to Jesus, I would feel bad about the things I did, and I thought, you know, I really should change that. I really should stop doing that, and guess what? I had no ability to change any of that, not because I didn't want to, not because I didn't think those things were bad. I did not believe in Jesus. And because I didn't believe in Jesus, guess what I didn't have? I did not have the helper. I didn't have the Holy Spirit. I didn't have the one coming alongside saying, Tom, do you really want to believe in Jesus? Let me help you. Let me put my power in your heart. Let me put my anointing in your words. Let me put my grace upon your life. And when I do that, you will be able to know Jesus and serve Jesus and get on in this gospel mission. He said, because the world doesn't believe in me, the Holy Spirit is going to come and make sure the world touches a thing called conviction. He says, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. This is the second Adam. The first Adam came and failed the Father and disobeyed God and brought sin and judgment into the world. The second Adam fulfilled the law of God and was completely pleasing to his Father and did everything his Father asked of him and ascended to heaven in perfect obedience and undid the curse that the first Adam, the first man, brought. Adam being the first human, the first man created by God. He's in the book of Genesis. You can read it there in Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3. There's the whole saga and story of Adam and Eve, Adam being the first man. The Bible says Jesus is the second Adam, the one that came created also in the perfection of God. Jesus was an uncreated being, is an uncreated being, but he was given a human form and lived in sinless perfection because he was perfect when he came. Jesus could not have sinned. Jesus was the one who made this world. There's no way he could have been enticed by it. But he had to suffer the weaknesses of a human body, and he had to take on a human form so he could be the sacrifice in our place for our sins. He had to die as a human to save humans. And by the way, he will live forever with a human body because there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And Jesus will return someday the way he left, and we will always be with him. But back to this. He goes to the Father and fulfilled righteousness in the way that no other man could have. 
Jesus did that. And the Holy Spirit can now convict the world about what righteousness is because we have a completely righteous man that went to heaven, the Son of God. Isn't that amazing? He's both God and both man at the same time. The Bible says he's the Son of God. He's the Son of Man. He's both. He fulfilled complete righteousness before the Father, and the Holy Spirit now can convict the world without anyone having an excuse that they can't serve God or God isn't faithful. God is faithful. And finally, the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. We read recently in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, where it says this, verse 31, Now judgment is upon this world, and now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw him into myself. Amazing words there. Jesus begins his narrative of going to the cross in John 12, and he picks it up here again in John 16, and he brings up this idea about the ruler of this world being judged because he's going to the cross, because he's getting ready to pay the ultimate sacrifice. I just want to say something about these words before we get to our last verses. The Holy Spirit came to the earth to be the one that helps you and to encourage you and to give you power to realize that the ruler of this world no longer has to rule you. The Holy Spirit can rule you. The Holy Spirit cannot rule you and the God of this world, little g, rule you as well. In order for the Holy Spirit to rule you, the ruler of this world is going to have to be judged and taken down. Because here's what most Christians fail to understand, and I hope you hear this. You were not only called by God to be under the rulership of God, you were called by God to have rulership over the God of this world. You cannot have a gospel mandate when your enemy is stronger than you, and he can beat you every time. That'll never work. Jesus didn't give you a failed hope and a failed mission. He didn't say, well, listen, I'm going to come and die, but there's this devil out here who is prancing around and roaming around as the prince of the power of the air and ruling this world, and he has some measure of ownership over it because it was given to him according to what he had to say to Jesus in the wilderness. When Adam sinned, he surrendered his place of authority and in the end of the day handed a measure of it over to Satan who took it from him through deception. When Adam sinned, he forfeited his place of rulership and other beings, unseen entities, demonic powers stepped in and began to have authority in his place. Jesus said, I'm coming to put an end to what happened there and to destroy his power and remove him from his place, and I'm going to set you as my missionary, and I'm going to fill you with power, and I'm going to be with you in great ways, and I will send you out into the world, and whenever this thing shows up, whenever demonic power shows up, whenever evil spirits show up, whenever principalities show up, wherever Satan rears his head, you need to understand one thing. He's been judged and cast out, and the one who's helping you and the one who's living in you has power over him. And therefore, you have power over him, and you can go out and cast him out. You can go out and preach the gospel and tear his kingdom down in communities where he's sending people to hell. Through this gospel mandate and through this mission, the helper is helping you not just get through life and have a nice life. The helper is helping you fulfill a mandate of the gospel and a mission of the gospel in the kingdom of God that we were born again to live in, which is why we are all called to be disciples. Your discipleship is not training you to be a nicer person and a better American. Your discipleship is training you 
to go into the mission Jesus died and went to heaven to give you and sent the power of heaven from the Holy Spirit coming into the earth to live in our heart to say, you will prevail, you will endure, and you will be able to win the battle and the fight you were in. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. He says, I have finished my race. Why does he describe his life as fighting a fight and running a race? It's because when he got saved, he didn't get saved to go to church on Sundays and enjoy a nice Israeli life or Palestinian life or Greek life. He was enlisted. He was called by God to enter the gospel, not just because he was an apostle, but because he was a Christian. And his job as an apostle wasn't to say, you all stand over here to the side while I do the work. His job as an apostle was to say, why don't you all come with me and I'll teach you what God taught me and we will all live in this mission and this mandate together and see the power of God come to the world. We have received help. Say it with me one more time. I have received help. I have the helper. The Holy Ghost is living in me. Praise God. So the ruler of this world has been judged. And he says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. You can't bear them. But he, the spirit of truth, man, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He does not lie. He does not deceive us and lead us down bad paths and into wrong thinking. He's the spirit of truth. And he will come and guide you into the truth, into all truth. The helper needs to guide us into all truth. And we need to receive his help. Let me say it this way, and it would be better said this way. The Holy Spirit, the helper, is leading you into all truth, and it's up to us to either believe or resist, but he is here. And let me say this, in crisis uh, days like this, in COVID-19, or whatever the world may face in our lifetime after this, we are going to need truth. Lord, I need to know where to go and where not to go, and it needs to be the truth. It needs to be really what I need to do and what I should not be doing. I need to not do that. And I cannot foresee the future. I do not fully understand everything I'm looking at as I'm trying to live in this gospel mission. And I need the Holy Ghost to come and guide me forward so I don't become deceived and believe things I should not believe and get involved in things I shouldn't get involved in and make decisions about things that I should not be making in a wrong way. Think about that. When trial comes... Unstable people begin to make bad decisions, but the Holy Spirit shows up and says, wait a minute, trust me, believe. Do not go and act in fear. Live in the truth and have courage in your heart and do not draw back. He says he will disclose to you what is to come. Listen to that. He will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. We were talking a little while ago how at the beginning of 2020, the Lord said you need to prepare the people of God to live in instability. The Holy Spirit was showing us what's coming. Did we know it was COVID-19? No, but we knew it was something. None of us could have said it was a pandemic, but we knew something was coming and we needed to get ready. How did we know that? Isn't it interesting that we could preach messages just two months ago that would get us ready for now? Are we so smart? Not at all. Are we great? Nope. Do we take any credit for ourselves? Absolutely not. Why did we know to say those things? Ah, because he was disclosing to us what was coming, and he was speaking to us, and he was saying the truth is you need to be ready. That's the truth. The spirit of truth is speaking to you now, and he's saying I will disclose to you what's coming. I will speak to you about what lay ahead, and if you will listen to me and walk in truth, the spirit is saying I will lead you and guide you into truth, and you will live in a level path. Praise God for that. I love that, that the Spirit of God is speaking to us. And it says, he will glorify Jesus, 
and will take things of Jesus, what Jesus is saying, and disclose it to you, he says. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all working together in great unity. So we're going to go to these last verses before we close out today. And we're going to scroll down in John 16, and we're going to go to verse 29. And his disciples said to him, after he had had a long discourse of his farewell, the disciples say, now you are speaking plainly and are not using a figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and you have no need for anyone to question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Isn't that nice? The disciples finally pipe up after a long dialogue and a discourse from Jesus and say, okay, we get it. And Jesus says, that's great. Do you believe me? He goes, well, let me say something to you. In case you get too excited up front, he says, an hour is coming, and the truth is, it's already here. For you to be scattered, each to his own home. Sound familiar? Where are we all living right now? Scattered to each to our homes. He says, you're going to leave me alone, and yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me in verse 32. You say, well, it's not exactly the same. They were scattered because Jesus went to the cross and great persecution came. But the truth still applies. Whenever difficult times come, times of testing, times of trial, we often end up getting moments where we feel scattered, where we don't have the ability to be together like we were, to have time together in the same kind of unity by seeing one another. The disciples, he said, we're all going to get scattered I'm just going to borrow that idea for 2020 in this COVID crisis. We're all scattered. We don't get to be at the church anymore. We're talking on Zoom. We're talking on Skype. But there is a little bit of an effect of us all having to go to our own homes. Can you see that? And he says this, but these things I've told you really in advance that in me you may have peace. If we could just pause right there and realize whether we're scattered to our own homes because the government says you can't go outside and you can't meet in buildings, or we're scattered because of a great persecution, or whatever the cause that's scattering us. He says, whatever you go through, whatever trials you face, and whatever things come upon the world that make life different than it normally is, that give you reason to have concern or be afraid, remember the paraclete, the helper, the advocate, the one that comes alongside came. He's coming, and he came, and he's with you. And though you may not be at the building every Sunday and on Wednesdays, and you may not be able to see your friends like you used to, and you may be a little scattered to your home, he says, you can thrive. You can have a thing called peace. You can have the power of God in your heart. You can live in hope. And guess what? Bread of life and everyone listening, we do not have to lose our momentum. This gospel mission didn't change because of COVID-19. And our faith did not change because of COVID-19. And our church is not changing because of COVID-19. And in fact, we have a great mission still. We have a great calling still. And none of this changes anything. None of the things that have happened change a thing. The Holy Spirit didn't go back to heaven. He's still here living in your heart and living in my heart. And today, guess what? You and I have a thing called peace. Say it out loud. I have peace. I have peace. My family has peace. And we have a little thing here called courage. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In this world, you'll have COVID-19. In this world, your job will change. In this world, people will battle illnesses. In this world, we'll be tempted to be depressed when we're scattered to our homes. 
In this world, you'll be tempted to feel lonely. In this world, dot, dot, dot. He says, but, listen to this, and I want to close where we began. Take on a spirit of courage. Take on the attitude of courage, which is not just, I'm going to be better. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to do better. No. Take courage and faith and say, my God is with me. The Holy Spirit is with me. The glory of God is here. The purposes of God are here. And the one who came and judged the ruler of this world and cast him out is still in charge. And so no matter what the devil does and no matter what he throws our way, we are strong in faith and we are full of the Lord and we are marching forward under the grace of God to do his will until he comes back or we go to heaven. We live in the presence of God. We live in the glory of God. We live in the will of God. And today, we take courage because Jesus overcame this world so that he can now bring conviction to it like he brought to you to save us in it so we could be delivered out of it and it would no longer own us and rule us. Praise God for that. And then when it's over, we have eternity with Jesus to rejoice and to worship and to give glory to God for all the great things he has done and that he had mercy on our miserable state and led us into his family and brought us into his kingdom when we didn't deserve it and we weren't looking for it and we didn't even know it existed. He showed up and he said, here I am. I love you. Know me. And at that moment, the mercy of God was extended to our hearts where we could say, yes, Lord Jesus. And we believed. And when we believed, the Holy Spirit came. The advocate came. The helper came and said, I'm here with you now. And the things that owned you before, they have no more place. I'm here. And just so you know, he's lost his authority to do to you what he used to. Now I'm here to give you power. Now let's go out together on a great journey of life and bring the gospel to the world and save as many as we can. And then when we're in heaven, we'll all give glory to God because God is good. That's a peaceful thought. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be concerned. Even when I get locked up in my home and I can't go and see everyone like I'd like to because of COVID-19, I can have peace. And you know what I can choose today? Courage. Take courage. He says, take it on, man. Woman of God, take it on. Take on the spirit of courage. Go, yes. I have courage in the name of Jesus. I have courage. The ruler of this world is an inferior being. We have authority over him. I have courage. God is with us. Praise God. I want to pray for us today before we go and ask God to do miraculous things. If you've heard this message today and you thought to yourself or you felt convicted in your heart, maybe I don't know Jesus like you're discussing. Maybe I haven't believed in him like he said I should. Maybe the ultimate sin of unbelief, of rejecting him and not choosing him, has not been resolved yet in my life. You may be thinking about all the vices and things you'd like to be free of, that your family would like you to be free of, or that the law and the police would like you to be free of. You're not going to get free of any of that if you've not surrendered to Jesus. I couldn't be free of any of that until I surrendered to Jesus. The greatest decision today is to believe in Jesus. The worst decision today is to not believe in Jesus. And so I want to pray for you today, and I want you to just bow your heart before God if you've not given your life to Jesus. And just say this with me with your own words. Say, Father in heaven, I admit that I need Jesus. I need to be forgiven 
I need to be saved from this wicked world. I need to be saved from eternity without you. Would you come and forgive me and live in my heart and be my God? Take away, Lord, every sin. Wash away every blemish and make me whole. I give you my life. I give you my future, my past, my present. You are my God. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Send me the helper today. Let him come and breathe in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you can go onto our website, Bread of Life Church, Fresno, B-O-L-C-F.org. And there's a place where you can connect with us and fill in your name and the decision you made today, and we will be getting back with you. If you watch this today and you said, I do believe, I love God, but I have been wrestling with fear. I've been wrestling with anxiety and depression. This thing is really working on me. I haven't had the courage I should. But you heard this today and you said, I'm going to take courage today. I want to pray for you as well. Father, everyone who's watching this, I pray that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit will come upon them with power and that they would receive the breath of heaven on their soul and on their minds. The worry, the restlessness would be broken in the name of Jesus. And instead, there would be great peace because today we take on courage and we believe you, Lord. We put our trust in you and we thank you, God, that you are doing great things even right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. I would just like to encourage you that this is going to be a great week, that the Lord will be with you. Take courage. Have peace. Jesus is here. Amen.